Well, Akarja, it's Jerry Adams and Shaw Arish. August Maris Gra, Tasola Gomsa, Gobel Shivsha, Gomoy August. Gobel to Arish, Egab, Winsaltas, and Amsher Jas. I want to start this week's podcast just by extending sympathy and condolences to the family of David Trimble and also to the family of Podrigin Drenan. Podrigin was an outstanding champion of human and civil rights, stood up for those people who needed stood up for, and right across her entire adult life was to the forefront in making sure, insofar as it's possible, that people were given their rights. So, ta brun mor armsa, brun macri, armsa, fui bas, podrigin. I'll return to the issue of David Trimble at some other point, but it would be appropriate to credit and to, to record the contribution he made and we can have views of how he came to do this but that's all immaterial. The fact is uh, there would not have been a Good Friday Agreement at the time there was a Good Friday Agreement if he had not taken the position that he took and I thank him for that and to his wife Daphne and to their children and to their family and colleagues uh, my commiserations and condolences also. And some of you may have seen uh, the BBC programme on Palmarama, which was broadcast recently, which claimed that the British Army, their elite death squad, the Special Air Service, SAS, was responsible for as many as 54 killings of the TNEs in Afghanistan in the years 2010 to 2011. Now, the excuse in most of these tragic cases was that the detained Afghan men either unexpectedly produced weapons or made an effort to take a weapon from a SAS member. And senior British Army officers are said by the programme to have covered up these actions. Now, the British military police have now asked the BBC for all the information that they have gathered. But it's worth reflecting on the fact that eight years ago, the military police established Operation North Moor. And its role was to investigate over 600 alleged defences by British forces in Afghanistan. And this included killings by the SAS of civilians. That investigation was shut down in 2019. It concluded that there was no evidence of any offences having been carried out by the British Army. So, big surprise there. Not, of course, to the hundreds of families who continue to campaign for a legacy system that will deliver truth. And the use of counterinsurgency tactics of shoot-to-kill operations, of summary execution, plastic bullets and collusion between the state agencies and loyalist death squads are well recorded. And they have long been an integral part of the British state strategies in its colonial and post-colonial wars. 
An earlier example of this was highlighted at the weekend, last weekend, when the South Armagh Centenary Committee published an account of the brutal murder of two young women in South Armagh by the British Army in 1922. And the report produced exposes the subsequent cover-up by the Unionist Stormont regime. What happened? Well, on Sunday, July the 23rd, 1922, four young South Armagh girls, Mary Minnie Connolly, who was aged 20, Margaret Moore, who was aged 12, Mary Moore, who was aged 18, and Kate Moore, who was aged 15, were ambushed by the British troops as they walked home. This was about 30 minutes before the 11pm curfew, and the four young women were close to their homes when soldiers from the 1st Battalion of the Royal Sussex Regiment attacked them. And in the fusillade of shots that were fired, Margaret Moore and Minnie Connolly were shot and killed, and Mary was seriously wounded. Two days later, a commission was established by the Unionist Minister for Home Affairs, Dawson Bates. And like so many of these commissions that were to occur in the most recent decade of conflict, the process was a whitewash. The civilian and family eyewitnesses were disbelieved and dismissed. The commissioner said of the civilian witnesses' evidence, I cannot place a reliance upon it in the face of defiant, of def- definite evidence from the military. And of the military witnesses, the commissioner said he was greatly impressed by their accounts. This inquiry was a sham. The Stormont regime did not want the truth to be told. And now there was the incident in which these four young women were attacked. An isolated or an accidental occurrence. It's one of the many such atrocities perpetrated by the British state in Ireland. Three months ago, the British government introduced legislation entitled the Northern Ireland Troubles Legacy and Reconciliation Bill. And this will ban all investigations, inquests, and all future civil actions. This isn't, in fact, an amnesty bill. A hundred years on from the murders of Margaret Moore and Minnie Connolly and the wounding of Mary, the British government is still engaged in the same techniques of cover-up and whitewash. Now, to a more, I suppose, softer, if I can use that term, topic, there used to be a Swedish shop across from St Finian's School, just above Leeson Street on the Falls Road. And it had a large advertisement for bluebird toffees as part of its frontage. It was an attractive feature, boasting an iconic bluebird in full flight. I call this fine establishment a Swedish shop because my recollection, which may be flawed, is that this shop sold only sweeties. They were there in large glass jars with big screw-on lids, shelves upon shelves of them, confections of all descriptions. Penny chews, blackjacks, rainbow drops, whoppers, killy suckers, love hearts, gobstoppers, bullseyes, brandy balls, walkers, toffees, sweetie lollies, other toffees, refreshers, bubblegum, honeycomb, chewing gum, chocolate peanuts, chocolate raisins, dolly mixtures, licorice all sorts, spangles, fruit gums, fruit pastilles, fudge, chocolate buttons, aniseed balls, smarties, lozenges, cinnamon drops, maltesers, snowballs. 
The shopkeeper would take down the jar containing the sweets you requested. Sometimes you could get an assortment of different ones if he wasn't in bad form or too busy. He plunged his hand or a metal scoop into the sweets in the jar before depositing your purchase into a paper bag or a wee poke made of newspaper. We used to go there on our way to the Clannard or Diamond Picture Houses, which were close by our father up the road to the Broadway, to spend our pocket money on Saturdays, or after school if someone had the spondulics. And crisps. Every packet had its own salt inside the crisp packet, wrapped in a wee twist of blue paper. Not as many flavours as nowadays, if I recall properly. Wee glass bottles of orange juice, ice lollies also, all kinds of flavours of ice lollies, and walls as ice cream, ice cream pokes, wafers, bars of chocolate, Cadbury's or Fry's chocolate cream, macaroon bars, Kit Kats, Bounty bars, Mars bars, tunics, caramel bars, Turkish delights, crunchy bars. Nowadays they all seem smaller than they used to be. Sometimes the packaging is deceptive and designed to make the contents look bigger than they are. Very, very sleek it. Other shops sold sweets as well. Patsy's at the corner of Uppercorn Street North and Leeson Street sold cigarettes and milk and some groceries also. And buns of all kinds. Sore heads, flies graveyards, gravy rings, diamonds, Paris buns, German biscuits, snowballs. Now these snowballs were not the same as the mallow-filled chocolate coconut sprinkled delicacies. These were real buns. Again, much smaller these days if you can get them at all. Sticker Greenwoods on the Springfield Road sold sweeties and buns also. Further up the road at the corner of Cashmere Road, there was another sweeties shop, and they sold broken biscuits and damaged liquors of all sorts, or bits of broken pink rock with fractured lettering in the middle. These damaged ones were cheaper than the undamaged ones, and me and Joe McGee would often spend our bus fare there and walk home to Ballamurphy from the boys' confraternity in Clonard. Victor's in Castle Street sold great ice cream. A smoky from Victor's was a special treat at the weekend. Bosco's too had great pokes. They still do. On good days, an ice cream man would park his big tricycle bike at the wee gate of the Falls Park. There was a huge ice box at the front of the tricycle filled with ice cream, a penny of poke, spliced with strawberry syrup. He would scoop pokes full of his delicious fur until he ran out of ice cream, but not for long. He would go off and return with a fresh supply, and most days our pennies ran out before his ice cream. That was before Mr. Softy and other super duper creamy soft concoctions. This was real Italian ice of the crema. Sometimes there were little bits of real ice in it. During some of the rats in Ballamurphy decades later in the 70s, on warm summer days, the modern ice cream van, complete with its loudly blurring jingle, would park on the edge of the ratting Ballamurphians and dispense ice cream to them until the Brits gave up and returned to their barracks at the Henry Taggart. Then the ratters and the ice cream van and the ice cream man went home for tea. I used to wonder what the squaddies thought of it all. Most of them probably grew up on social and economic conditions not dissimilar to our own. I'm sure they grew up with the same sweeties we loved, 
bought in Swedish shops just like the ones we frequented. One of the main differences was that when they arrived here, none of the Swedish shops and the communities they occupied would serve the squaddies. So no penny chews or no blackjacks or rainbow drops, no whoppers, no kelly suckers, no love hearts. Not for them. No gobstoppers or bullseyes. No sweetie lollies or refreshers. No liquors of all sorts, no spangles, no chocolate buttons. No Turkish delights. Not for them. Not in Ballamurphy or in other communities blighted by British military occupation. So, Pinyurian Tal Lipshishin Misha Arish, I searched high and low for an appropriate song to, or an appropriate piece of music to finish this week's podcast. And the only thing that I could come across after diligent research was from the candy store on the corner. And this was made famous in Ireland by Dickie Rock, but the version that we will play out on is Tony Bennett. So here we go, Akarja. Amor Orov, Gunyiri Anta Lipsha. From the candy store on the corner to the chapel on the hill Two young lovers are longing to go there And they dream someday they will They dream someday they will They dream someday they will Walk hand in hand From the candy store To the chapel on the Both their hearts are in tune with a love song Every promise they make they mean For true love is the treasure of treasures When you're only seven At seventeen, it's a thrill to dream someday you will walk hand in hand from the candy store. 